With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals, each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you from the beautiful, sunny city of Los Angeles. Keeping an eye on the Cubs, taking on the Diamondbacks as the Cubs are getting closer and closer to making a massive trade to possibly land Cole Hamels. Talk some baseball upcoming in the show. We've already had an acquisition uh, by the Astros in division trade, Astros and Angels. We're getting closer and closer to trade deadline. This stuff's getting interesting. Super interesting. Um, NFL news abound. Julio Jones is in camp. Got a little bit of money. Is that good news or bad news for the Atlanta Falcons? We'll discuss. Plus, Carson Wentz with one of the all-time lines, which everybody laughs at, everybody giggles at, and then you're like, hmm, okay. Uh, We got the Tampa Bay news to discuss, in which, not a surprise, Ryan Fitzpatrick once a kid's got that, I mean, you, if you're a starting quarterback and Ryan Fitzpatrick is your backup, something bad is going to happen at some point in time. Right? Like go look at his career, whether it was Buffalo or Cincinnati or Houston or the jets or like he has just gotten, it's, it's amazing. Some guys, some of these guys are in the league as backups forever. And you're like, man, I totally forgot that was a, that human being still existed. Not Fitzpatrick. He always seems to find a way to start a game or two. Um, but I want to start with beef in the NBA. Nothing 
is better than NBA basketball Twitter beef. So here's what happened yesterday. CJ McCollum has come on this show before. He's one of the young stars for the Portland Trailblazers. When he came on, it was great. Um, a friend of mine, a former teammate of mine, Anthony Weish, was his assistant coach at Lehigh. I've known CJ for a long time. I know him to be a great dude and a guy who eventually wants to get into the media. And like as as you have, there are other NBA players who have their own. JJ Redick has a really good podcast. There are others as well. Uh, guys like to kind of do their own thing. He wanted to promote his own podcast. And he did so coming on our show. His podcast is called Pull Up. He had Kevin Durant on it. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to play for you part of the discussion. And then we'll take you through the Twitter beef that followed last night that everybody's talking about. Here's CJ McCollum and Kevin Durant. And here's a warning for you. They both appear to be eating while recording this podcast. I, have I occasionally eaten or drank something on the air? Yes. But in the, the story behind the beef, I'll share with you. But one of the things I should also share is like, CJ, KD, when you record a podcast, can't be eating during it. Take a listen. So what do you suggest? I suggest you just just keep playing, man, and don't worry about what goes on at the top of things. <laughs> we right there at the top of things. We was in third Relax. seed last year, bro. We was right there. We was just slightly below one and two. But how'd you play? Some unfortunate situations happened in the first round. How'd you play? Some unfortunate circumstances. Like happened. an eight seed. Why am I mad about this? I mean, like, I'm in the Western Conference. I got to play you all the time anyway as it is over and over again we done got eliminated by y'all a few times in the first round so I'm I mean, looking so at cuz I mean you know you 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 know you guys aren't going to win a championship bro we have the the team <laughs> <laughs> we have capabilities anything is possible we can win a championship I I having listened to the entire conversation it wasn't as much about Kevin Durant leaving Oklahoma City and going to the Warriors as it was about DeMarcus Cousins signing as a free agent. And I thought Kevin Durant made a great point. He made a great point. He's like, look, he's a free agent. You guys could have signed him, but you don't want to sign him because you got Nurkic. McCullum said, well, you know, we could have for $5.3 million, we could have had both of them. And he's like, no, you couldn't have. Like there's this, there's this widespread panic around the NBA over DeMarcus Cousins, who's a former all-star the reality of which he probably is not ready till February, maybe not till March. It eliminates half the teams in the West don't want to have him because they've either had him before or they're trying to be bad. And the teams are trying to be good. Many of them need him to play during the regular season and other teams that don't need him or other teams that do need him and wouldn't need him during the you know, uh, October, November, December, January, and February. They already have a big guy. Like the Nuggets don't need him. The Pelicans had him, didn't want him back. DeAndre Jordan is with the Dallas Mavericks. The Houston Rockets could have signed him, but they want Clint Capella. They're just negotiating with Clint Capella. Like other teams had a, this idea that DeMarcus Cousins somehow tips it so far in the scales of the Warriors. If he was so incredible, one, why didn't somebody run blocker, right? That's what the Yankees did acquiring Zach Britton. Did they need Zach Britton? No. Could they use him? Sure. But getting Zach Britton kept the Astros from getting him and the Red Sox from getting him. It's smart. No one did that in the West, keeping DeMarcus Cousins from him. Additionally, though, other teams just don't need him. So what happened was 
the podcast drops and uh, suddenly CJ McCollum gets questioned about the move by Kevin Durant to go from Oklahoma city to the warriors. And he uses an analogy to it's analogous to a gang fight where a guy and his brother get jumped, lose the fight. And instead of getting tougher and getting better and beating up the guys who beat him up, he joins the gang that beat him up. Kevin Durant reads this, sends out his own tweet and says, wait, so in this analogy, I, I, I'm in two months with my brother and then I leave my brother only to beat up my brother. Calls him a snake in the grass. And then, of course, uh, has has a smile about it all on Twitter. This becomes Twitter beef. But I, I think people are missing, really missing what's at the heart of this. You want to know what it is? One of the hardest things you're going to do if you're going to host a podcast, you're going to host a radio show, you can host a TV show is not only give your opinion, but sometimes you're going to have to give a negative opinion. And when you give that negative opinion, occasionally that person you gave a negative opinion about, you're going to have to cover or you're going to have to interview. And if you don't have that stuff in you, if you're not willing to step foot in the locker room or to have that conversation, then you might not be cut out for the opinion business. It's okay. It's not for everybody. Think about this for a second on Twitter. CJ McCollum said, I thought the move was kind of soft, right? That's Kevin Durant leaving the, leaving the thunder to go to the wars. That's a word that has been used by Stephen A. Smith been used by others. It's obviously kind of part of the narrative in the NBA because NBA guys are a lot like you and me in that. Have you ever noticed everyone who grows up? No one grew up with money. Everyone grew up poor. And it becomes topper to just how poor and how bad their life was when they were younger. It's not that some people didn't grow up poor, but everybody grew up poor. That seems merely, that seems impossible. Oh, you think you had it bad? We had no shoes. We had no shoes. We had to walk on our hands. Hands, we had to walk on our elbows, right? That's how it is in the NBA. Everybody wants to be tough. Everybody wants to have started with nothing. You know, it's the old Drake started from the bottom. Now we're here. You want to start with nothing and then somehow build organically within. And that's the only way to show real toughness. It's not that CJ McCollum can't have the opinion that Kevin Durant's move from Oklahoma City to Oakland and the Golden State Warriors who had won a championship, then won 73 games and lost in the NBA Finals isn't soft. He is, especially as an NBA player and a really good one, he has the right to have that opinion. The problem with it is he didn't have that opinion when Kevin Durant was recording a podcast with him. That is Twitter tough guy 101. That is bro- that is the hardest part about the opinion business in broadcasting. Is hey dude, you can call whoever you want out, but when you interview them, you gotta have to find a way to work that into the conversation because you damn well be- better be sure that they know what you said. And in this case, it's even worse because he said it after the point. I'm not just on Kevin Durant's team because if you listen to Kevin Durant, there's a matter of fact way in which he said, "You guys." You didn't really have a chance to win a championship. You know that. And he said, like, why would you let any of our acquisitions, our team bother you? Why does that affect you? He actually made some really good points. And he did point out that you guys could have had DeMarcus Cousins. You didn't offer him. And you probably don't need him because you have Nurkic. But the best point that was made is, I just did your podcast. You never brought up the fact that you thought I was soft for leaving the Thunder. 
And now you're going to bring it up on Twitter right after we record the podcast. That is the softest, weakest of the broadcasting genre. It just is. So Rich Kleiman uh, through Jordan Schultz, who covers the NBA for Yahoo Sports, said there's no beef. They are friends. I do think they're friends. But I also think, I don't think I know that if there is a beef, it's just this with Kevin Durant. Hey, look, we're friends. I agree to come on your podcast. We can talk about anything. But talking about anything means if you think my move from from Oakland to uh, from Oklahoma City to Oakland was soft, you got to say that when we're face to face. You got to give me a chance to have a rightful retort. Not to big cat on Twitter. That ain't fair. That ain't right. That, that's not how anybody would like to roll. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Chris Sims, former NFL quarterback, starting quarterback with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Kind of join us here as training camps are underway. Holdouts are continuing on for guys like Aaron Donald. For guys like Julio Jones, they lasted just one day. Let me ask you, Chris, thanks so much for... For joining us, uh, football season is back. I know you're as geeked up as I am, and you you do incredible work uh, throughout the fall and the winter covering it. Thanks, uh, man. Um, all right, so Julio Jones, it's it's all one day, and I don't think anyone would dispute he's an awesome player. His contract, if you actually look at it, like look, it was a front loaded deal, a long term deal to which he was probably overpaid, overcompensated early on, and right. then and then you knew it would dip, but it's not like it's not like he's making two million; he's making like ten or something. They moved $2 million from next year around to this year to give him a little bit bigger guarantee, a little bit bigger bump, and all's right with the world. What's the precedent like? In an NFL locker room, is now every guy who has a good run that's got a couple years left in their deal, does everybody go in and ask for a new deal, or is it different because it's Julio? Yeah, you said it right at the end. It's different because it's Julio. There's a a different set of rules and hierarchy in an NFL locker room. And players realize that. They, they realize that Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, Devontae Freeman, those type of players, they're going to get away with things uh, within the organization that some of the other guys who are trying to make their way onto the team or roster are not going to get away with. And also, listen, Doug, you just said it. I know it. Everybody and their mother knows it. Julio Jones is one of the be- three best receivers in football. That's not a discussion. And he's outplayed his contract. And I have no problem with them asking for more money to get compensated fairly. You know, why, you know I, what I push back is I don't understand the backlash sometimes about NFL players asking for more money when guys like Kevin Love in basketball just signed a four-year, $130 million deal, and he's not one of the 30 best players in the NBA, but here we got a football player who's in the top 10 in the NFL, and we want to get mad that he wants a little bit more money, and that drives me crazy. Yeah, I, I look, I, but you're, you're comparing different businesses, right? Like, I know, I am, I know. I mean, so, I, so like, look, Albert Pujols plays for the Angels. He's wildly overpaid, and he's actually under contract longer and for more money than Mike Trout is. But, right. again, it's a, it's a different business. It's a different scale. It's, it's doctors complaining about lawyers and how much lawyers make per hour as opposed to doctors having to fight, you know, the insurance company for their pay, right? So it is, it is a little bit different. Um, what, what about the Falcons um, this year? Like, they were a team that seemed to struggle with Sark's offense in comparison to what they had previously. But at the end of the year, it did start to click some. Which Falcons are they? Are they end-of-the-year Falcons? Or are they really going to be up and down because Sark's style just doesn't fit with what they have? 
I, I think it's going to be a little bit more towards what we saw at the end of the year. I, I mean, listen, it's, not, it's never easy to lose a guy like Kyle Shanahan, who's one of the best offensive game plan designers in football for the last eight to ten years. So your team is going to take a hit. Sarkeesian, I think, had to make an adjustment to the NFL life. Uh, you know, it's a different game than college football, but uh, I think that team is still extremely talented. They're in their prime, and yes, I do think Steve Sarkeesian showed me enough towards the end of the year that he is smart enough to mix things up, change things up, and keep defensive coordinators on edge with week-to-week game plans. I want to ask you, uh, uh, ESPN folks, they had they have their, their quarterback tiers. I don't know if you saw, they had Cam Newton second tier, but they had him like as the 11th rated quarterback what what's your what's your eval of cam newton who there's another guy he started really slow last year you know coming off of surgery and uh had some great moments but had a lot of inaccurate moments as par has been the course for his career what's your thoughts on the level of eliteness if you will i don't even know if that's a word with cam newton yeah i i think you know i look at it and go i think 11 is a little low I really do. Now, yes, I understand that Cam Newton uh, didn't start the year off great last year, but yes, he was recovering from shoulder surgery uh, and dealing with that. And yeah, he missed some throws early on that you know we haven't even seen him miss or or a normal NFL quarterback would would miss. But uh, I think when all said and done, once he got completely healthy and comfortable within the flow of the game again, uh, man, Cam Newton is one of the ten best quarterbacks in football uh, for my money. I, I mean, and and the thing where I push back against people, Doug, is the stats can't quantify what Cam Newton does for a football team. You know, think about how they play games. It's run the ball, it's run the ball, and then it's, oh, hey, it's third and 15, Cam. Can you sit back there for seven seconds and throw a 30-yard missile down the field with seven people around you? Because our offensive line's that good. Or it's third and three, and they go, hey, Cam, can you just smash it up the middle and do something that no other quarterback in the history of football has done? So that's the greatness of Cam Newton. Guys like Cam Newton and Russell Wilson, with their ability to run, too, it changes defenses. It makes them game plan for them specifically, and that's some of the greatness that they can bring to the table as well. How would you handle the Deshaun Watson thing? And and by Deshaun Watson thing, it's twofold. One, uh, obviously he exploded on the scene when he was named starting quarterback last year, but it was an offense that was more kind of college offense, right? And there's the thought that people will, do, will catch up to it. Also, this is his second ACL injury, and part of that offense is moving him around, and it puts him in harm's way. Uh, how would you how would you help him evolve as a quarterback? Will you continue? Hey, look, this is the offense that he works in. This is what we're going to be, and just and just uh, assume the NFL is going to become uh, a place to where that will work long term. Or do yeah. you do you want him to evolve the way that, for example, the Redskins? And I think he's better than RG three, but the Redskins wanted RG three to evolve as he grew into the position. Yes, well, this is a different person than RG3. I mean, you know, without really being able to tiptoe around this de- the answer, you know, Deshaun Watson's humble. He realizes he doesn't have every answer in the world. RG3 wanted to tell Mike Shanahan and the Shanahan family how to run the Redskins, along with Dan Snyder. So I do think this is a guy that uh, understands the changes that need to be made in the, uh, you know, for him to survive in the NFL, but I don't think his game is going to change a whole lot. I think that just early on in the season, preseason, the coaches need to be careful with him, save him for himself, but he'll learn the way to play and keep himself out of harm's way, and hopefully he saw what Carson Wentz did last year, and he goes, well, I can't be doing that or I won't survive either. But I also will say this, I think that 
Deshaun Watson could be, I would not be shocked two years from now we are going, Deshaun Watson's the best quarterback in football. I wow. think he has that type of potential. And I think now that uh, they have a full offseason to see what Deshaun Watson was capable of, you're going to see a different offense. You've heard uh, Bill O'Brien's already commented about it, that you know they're tinkering in the lab a little bit this year because they know they can do things uh, with him that you can't ask other quarterbacks to do, and, and Bill O'Brien's never had this type of quarterback to, to play with, really. I, I think you could say the same thing for Andy Reid since he's been a head coach, right? Like he probably had it when he's in Green Bay with Favre. Pat Mahomes has some crazy arm talent. Crazy on time, right? Yeah. And, and, I mean, look, we saw it in the preseason. We saw it week 17. And I think they overpaid Sammy Watkins, but I at least get it. Like, you, yep. you got Tyreek Hill as a burner. You got Travis Kelsey to take away the middle of the field. You got Sammy Watkins, who I, I think can, can, you know, can, can be a little bit more of a possession type of guy. Um, but, but, but it's a complete, you've done this. It's a completely different deal when you are the starter. You're not the rookie who gets to come in and nobody has a scatter report on you. What's this year going to be like for Pat Mahomes in Kansas City? I, I think you'll see a few dumb, dumb, you know, dumb mistakes, bumps, bumps in the road. Certainly, he's young. I have been around this kid in person a little bit. I mean, he's very impressive. Everything I've heard from players on that team say he's smart. He takes coaching. Uh, Will it take a little while for him to get used to, like a Brett Favre or some of the other strong-arm quarterbacks we've seen through through history? Will it take him a little while to realize what windows he can fit it into and which ones he can? Yes, I think there's going to be some of those issues. But, again, you know, this is a guy, he threw 41 touchdowns and 10 interceptions at Texas Tech. He's not as reckless with the football as everybody tries to make it to be. He has big-time talent. He's another guy that I look at and go, yeah, it's Brett Favre, it's Aaron Rodgers-ish type of talent this guy has and with that offense like you said what do you defend the Sammy Watkins signing totally agree with you they overpaid him but man are they going to put people in binds and going well who do you want to double or you're going to leave Tyreek Hill one-on-one or you're going to leave Travis Kelsey one-on-one or even Sammy Watkins and now you have a quarterback that is phenomenal at throwing the ball down the field it's really going to make them a fun and exciting football team Uh, there's some talent obviously with the LA Rams but some of that is McVeigh that you point out incredible play caller right um do teams adjust because that one feels like it could that could be a super bowl team or that could be a team that's a disaster with so many of those um really interesting personalities that they brought in more specifically on the defensive side of the football what what are your thoughts on how the league adjusts to the rams now they've seen Goff and they've seen mcveigh an entire trip around I think the the first thing I think of is McVeigh. It doesn't matter if you've had a trip around the block and seen him. He is ever evolving. He is like a Kyle Shanahan or a Josh McDaniels up in New England. Sean Payton. You're never going to have a beat on them because they're always going to bring new things week to week to the game plan, plays you haven't seen, formations. So that's their greatness. So I don't think that anybody's really going to catch up to the McVeigh system. I think the Rams are still going to be a very good football team. Uh, and I. I think they're a playoff team, without a doubt. And I understand the questions about the personalities, but I guess my take is this. I know Sean McVay. We know what Wade Phillips is, and there are two guys that understand people. They have great people skills, and they understand how to lead uh, different personality styles, and I don't think it's going to be a problem. I would say it's a problem in most places, but I don't think it will be a problem because of those two guys right there. What would your dad have said if – uh, during your first year as a starting quarterback. And and by the way, Chris Sims joining us from NBC Sports and from Bleacher Report. Happily married man, couple of kids. So this isn't you, but if it was you, you're a starting quarterback. And 
you're spotted at a restaurant dating a well-known porn star. How would that go over at the Sims house? <laughs> oh, my dad, he'd probably be like, well, Christopher, well, what were you doing? You know, he'd have fun. He, he would let me go. He'd probably go be like, hey, now, be careful, Christopher. You know, don't be a distraction to the team. You know, you're still the quarterback. You still got to be a leader out there. Uh, that would be the kind of talk I'd get. But he'd try not to butt into my personal life too much. Is it a big deal? Uh, no, I do not think it's a big deal at all. I mean, this is a young guy still. He's 26 years old, and uh, he's having a little fun. I think he's just realizing he doesn't realize that he's under such a microscope at this point. And within the NFL locker room, nobody's going to care. He's, he's going to get made fun of a little this week, and I wouldn't be surprised if like a, you know, a coach puts a picture of this girl on the board and is like, hey, I mean, this is what Jimmy G was doing the last few weeks. We're not sure if he's focused on football. They're going to have fun with that, but I don't think anybody going to go overboard with it. Am I cra- and I could be crazy to think this. Does this give him a little swag with some of the dudes? I do, I do think so, yes. Yeah, you know, quarterbacks are like, they always get pigeonholed as like, oh, they like these, you know, all-American model-type girls. You know, this is going to get him some credit in the, in the locker room where they're like, wow, you like full-figured women and all that. That's, it's certainly going to give him some credit in the street cred in the locker room. Uh, okay, so, so Brady's got the dad bod going, but Brady's, but Bra- Brady's still Brady. On yeah. the other hand, they're not going to have Edelman. And look, I'm not concerned at all about their, about the AFC East, but they're, they're, it seems like they're just throwing a bunch of numbers, a bunch of guys out there to see you know, who else they can work with. What do you think about the reformation of that wide receiving core around Gronk? Uh, I, I really I don't have many issues with it. You know, I, this is a, a coaching staff, a quarterback that I have so much confidence in, and they don't do anything without thinking about it thoroughly before they do it. So there is a game plan up there. Uh, They knew about this Edelman thing for a long, long time, uh, so they were aware of it, and this is New England. They are the master game planners. It's it's every day is grind away, and I'm not concerned with the the overall weapons. And I do think that maybe, you know, within the draft, too, you go, maybe they're changing the theme of their team a little bit. They've realized, okay, it's the end of Tom Brady's career. Maybe we need to be able to run the football a little bit more, be a little more balanced on the offensive side of the ball, and that's why they drafted a, the tackle out of Georgia Isaiah Wynn and Sony Michelle at the end of the first round, because they might want to change their style a little bit. Um, you've been in New England, you've worked in that, uh, you've worked in that organization. There, there is a narrative out there that players demand answers for Ma- why Malcolm Butler was benched, and now Malcolm Butler is, is elsewhere, and that's, that's forever going to have a lasting kind of tarnish on the end of of Tom Brady's career. That's why Tom Brady didn't show up to OTAs. That's why there's this standoff with, with Gronk. What's your opinion on how much carryover there is from the Malcolm Butler benching into the season? I think there's going to be some guys that were on the team last year that are still going to be annoyed about it and still want answers. I don't think Bill Belichick is going to address the situation until he feels like there's enough clamoring within the locker room and in meeting rooms that people are still actually angry about it. Then he might address the football team and let them know what really went on there. But let's not get it mixed up. There's only one man in charge there in New England. It is Bill Belichick. They don't argue with him a whole lot. Tom Brady's the only one with real power in that organization because 
because of his friendship with, with Robert Kraft. I do think there was a legitimate rift between Brady and Belichick, not only with you know the Malcolm Butler thing, I think the Jimmy Garoppolo thing, I think there's a few other things there, but I don't think they're going to miss a, bit, a beat. I still think they're the cream of the crop in the AFC, and uh, you know, at the end of the day, I just have tremendous faith of it, having worked there and knowing those people that they're going to stay to the formula that always makes them successful, which is go to work every day, take every day, one day at a time. All the cliches, I promise you, they live by. Do you believe Baker Mayfield doesn't see the field? That, that's what John Dorsey's selling us. Hey, look, he comes from Kansas City. We talked about Mahomes. We didn't see Mahomes until week 17. They got Tyrod Taylor. He's even trying to sell his backup. And Willis, we're going to develop Baker Mayfield. Do you buy that? I do buy it. I think that's truly what they want to do. They want to make sure it works for Baker Mayfield because it's a huge pick for their own butts, right? I mean, John Dorsey drafted a quarterback with the number one pick in the draft that's 6'1", 219 pounds, and runs a four eight five. Those are some of the worst credentials ever for the first pick of the draft. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I like Baker Mayfield a whole lot. I think also what's, what I've been saying from the start, the problem Cleveland's going to fall into is guys are going to go on the practice field and go, huh, Tyrod Taylor's the same height as Baker Mayfield. And then they go, huh, Tyrod Taylor's faster than Baker Mayfield. And then they go, huh, Tyrod Taylor's arm is stronger than Baker Mayfield's. Why did we drop Baker Mayfield number one? That's the issue they're going to fall into throughout the year. The players are, and you already hear it, the players, you can tell, they're, they're not overly impressed, I think, with Baker Mayfield. Maybe the person, but all the raving on the field is about Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, no, and, and he led the Bills to the playoffs last exactly. year, even, even after being benched. I mean, here's a guy who has, who has fought his way and earned his way to being a starter like I, I, I think that that might be the powder keg that people are 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 not discussing enough. Whereas I agree, I feel like the I feel like the Baltimore thing people are over discussing. I like the idea of using Lamar Jackson as slash as slowly integrating him, using his explosiveness. How do you think that plays out? Uh, I do. I think it's going to play out kind of just to, to the way they're they're saying. I, I I know people in Baltimore. I know that they're ultra impressed by Lamar Jackson and some of the things he can do. But I know it's also not perfect. I know there are inconsistencies in throwing. I know he's still not totally perfect of getting the team in and out of the huddle when he's calling the plays as the quarterback. So those are things that he'll continue to get better at. But I do think you're going to see him on the field a handful of plays every game, and Baltimore is going to keep everybody on their p's and q's with creative plays and whatever that may be, but I do think they're going to find a way to get Lamar Jackson on the field in some capacity, get the ball in his hands. And the big thing, Doug, I think you and I talked about this in the draft, I think getting him on the field, even if it is a wide receiver, is going to help him in the future at the quarterback position, to be in the huddle, hear Joe Flacco call the plays, to know what guys make him hot and he has to adjust his route. All those things are going to play into his development at the quarterback position too, and I think will only help him in the future. I, I totally agree, and I think what's maybe most interesting is like he doesn't, even, he doesn't want to hear the word wide receiver so they're I like know. no we're gonna have two quarterbacks on the field <laughs> right, like, right. okay but he's out wide like a wide receiver no but there's two quarterbacks there it just one just happens to not be playing but un- under center or behind behind yeah, center. and one yeah and one they'll just like run by everybody in the nfl if he gets out in the open so it, it will be fun and baltimore is one of those teams i say watch out for because i do think they're one of the better teams in the afc if they stay healthy and they absolutely kicked away the playoffs they should have been in the playoffs last yeah. year and they, they kicked it away last thing and i didn't prep you on this one uh, Notre Dame, Michigan. People are putting a lot of pressure on on Jim Harbaugh uh, for this first game of the season. Um, is Notre Dame good enough uh, with Shea Patterson at quarterback for Michigan? Is Notre Dame good enough 
to beat Michigan that first game of the season. I, I do. I think Notre Dame, you know, everybody's going to talk about first of all, oh, they lost Quentin Nelson and McGlinchey in the first round. I can still tell you this. Notre Dame's offensive line is still going to be one of the best in college football. They still have good running backs. That, the Brandon Winbush is, is scary. Uh, the defense does have talent. Now, they lost their defensive coordinator, but yes, that is going to be a tough game for Michigan, and I agree with the sentiment. This is one of the biggest games in Jim Harbaugh's history. There's no doubt about that. I mean, this is Michigan. He is yet to beat Ohio State. He's yet to win a major bowl game. Uh, and they really haven't been in the national title conversation as of yet. I like Jim Harbaugh. I have a lot of respect for him. I do think he's a hair overrated. People put him in the conversation with Urban Meyer and Nick Saban. I want to go, wait, hold on. Let's pump, a, pump the brakes a little bit. Let's see if he can win a championship first. So it is intriguing. And Michigan, of course, this is what, Harbaugh's fifth year. These are all his players, or his fourth year. All his players, and this defense should be stacked. Should be stacked, and now he's finally got an elite-level quarterback. Chris, great stuff. Can't wait to read some of it and see some of it on Bleacher Report. Of course, see on NBC Sports and NBC Sports Radio. Appreciate you joining us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Thanks, Doug. Be good, man. I'll talk to you. One one only Chris Sims. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Carmelo Anthony is doing the blame thing. At the end of the day, he's talking about Oklahoma City, it wasn't a good fit. I think last year, I, I haven't talked about this before, everything was just so rushed. Going to the team for media day, the day before training camp, them guys already had something in place, and I come along at the 25th hour, OS. Only he didn't say S. Mello, just come on, join us. Like, you can figure it out since you've been around the game for such, such a long time. That's why it was so inconsistent. At times, I had to figure out figured out on my own rather than somebody over there or people over there helping me. I didn't fit because they didn't help me and we didn't have time. Now, he could have gone the, listen, it, that one was all on me, I, and where people are going to say, no, you didn't have enough time. He could have gi- given you the, the like, where the reality of it is, the reality is, was there a lack of time and preparation? Probably. But you did have 82 games to work it out, didn't you? Like, it's not like the NBA season is the NFL season or even a college football season. Right? It's not like it's like a 10-game. It's 82 games over five, six months. You did have training camp with them, didn't you? So you had training camp. You had the preseason. You had the regular season to get you ready for the postseason. And you didn't think you had enough time? Well, nobody over there helped me. Well, they suggested you might want to come off the bench. You wanted nothing to do with that. None of this is about his ability to change, to evolve, to guard somebody, to move the basketball, to understand not just that the NBA has evolved and that he has evolved, but he's playing in a different team to which there's a different star structure. Like none of that. And oh yeah, by the way, while there isn't communicating or he thinks that nobody on that team tried to communicate and help him, if he's been in the game so long and he's Carmelo Anthony and he's a future Hall of Famer, which he is, can he open lines of communication? I, I, here's a saying that I've, I've had for a long time, which is, there's a couple differences, Ramos, you can attest to this, between children and adults. You know what they are? An adult would never turn down a nap. Ever. You tell an adult, like, hey, man, why don't you go take a nap for an hour? 
Is there an adult in the world who'd be like, no, I don't want to take a nap. You're like, a nap? That sounds fantastic. Now, listen, I don't want the nap to be too long because then I'm really, then I get more tired. Could you just wake me up in 20, 25 minutes and I'll feel refreshed, right? An adult never turns down a nap. An adult, an adult will change the side order to vegetables from French fries. A child would never do that, right? That's a mature thing to do. And an adult, I said from vegetables to French fries, from French fries to vegetables. I, I apologize. An adult would order, will order vegetables. An adult would order a salad. Children don't order salads. There's not a kid in the world. There's not even salads on kids' menus. They don't sit there going like, hmm, oh, I know there's pizza and there's chicken fingers and there's sliders. I'd like a salad. There's no kid in the world that does that. But you know what else kids don't do? Kids don't ever point inwards. They don't ever say, that's my bad. That's me. They say Johnny did it. They say the teacher did it. They say God did it. Somebody else did it. They never said, my bad. And Carmelo Anthony is not pointing the finger inward. He's not willing to accept any sort of blame. You know, however I view my five years at CBS, I'm some of the blame. I, I had to, have, I had to adjust to their culture, understand what they wanted, ask more questions, be more willing to listen. And I've done that at, the, at this place of work. I don't know if it was success or failure, but if somebody asked me a little bit of both, a lot of that's on me. They've been doing what they've done for 50 years I came and went in five years. The Oklahoma City Thunder's game plan mostly is, hey, we liked what we had. We think we can get better. And the best way to get better is to get rid of Carmelo Anthony. If that isn't a shot to your ego, if that doesn't tell you some of it's you, not just them, you're not paying attention. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I fully understand that um, th- that professional sports is not like your work, my work, and we shouldn't try and equate it as such. But I also know human nature, right? It's like, why doesn't communism work? Why doesn't socialism work? Music, why do you think socialism doesn't, didn't work for the Russians, for example? It inhibits uh, innovation. I don't think it inhibits innovation. Um, I don't know if I would agree with that. I mean, that's your opinion. I, mean, you're, I, I would say, like, look, the idea of socialism is, hey, everybody has a job. Everybody's covered. Right? Everybody gets to eat the same. And then you just go, you go into a field that you can specialize in. You just go to work for the state and you just do the best you can. And if you just, you just be the best you, you can, everybody's going to eat the same. What it inhibits is there is really no personal growth, right? There has to be some sort of leadership and those people who are leaders, they're going to get more than the common man. So there's inherent jealousy. And then there's the added jealousy of, wait, I'm great at my job. That guy's crummy at his job. And yet I'm making the exact same amount of money. There's a human nature element to it. You want to be rewarded financially and other and respect wise for being better than somebody else. Right. There's a human nature to it. Julio Jones sat out all of one day 
They moved around some money, got $2 million more up front, and all is right with the world. And the Atlanta Falcons have their star wide receiver back under contract in camp. But, but this is a dangerous precedent. It really is. The idea of, hey, Julio Jones has, has outplayed his contract. Okay, he's got three years left on his deal. That deal was, no matter what you're told, that deal was front-loaded. We talk about this all the time on the show. I, I, don't, I don't blame players when they don't want to sign a contract for not signing a contract. I don't blame them for holding out when they want to hold out. But in this particular case, and it's really important to put a point out, in this particular case, in this case, he got a huge contract three years ago that was front-loaded with a whole bunch of money because he had, quote-unquote, outplayed his rookie contract, that he was a star-wide receiver. Knowing full well that this year would come, so what the what the Falcons have done is run the possibility of keeping the keeping up with the Joneses mentality. Keeping up with the Joneses. Hey. Julio Jones got paid. He's got three more years left on his deal. What happens if Matt Ryan goes out and has a great year? What happens? And Matt Ryan goes like, "Hey, you know what? I've 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 outplayed my contract." Pick the player on the Atlanta Falcons. Like it's a it's a precedent. And if you think that it's not any different than in my business and your business, if somebody goes out mid contract and gets a new deal, players talk. Players aren't stupid. Agents talk. Agents aren't stupid. And if somebody finds out that in the middle of your contract you can go get paid more money. And then suddenly that guy's making more. And you're like, well, wait, wait, wait a second. Hold on. Now. I can get more money. I'm going to do it. That's a, that's a dangerous path to walk down. Even if it's only $2 million more for a guy who I think every, and you can say, well, that's Julio Jones. He's one of the best in the game. He's earned the right. Like, have he, has he, he didn't agree. He agreed to his contract. Nobody forced him to sign it. He did end up signing it. I mean, take Matt Ryan and take his contract. He signed a five-year, $150 million contract on May 3rd of this year, $100 million guaranteed, making the first player to average $30 million a year. Three years from now, he had a front-loaded contract. How do you think we're going to handle if Matt Ryan sits out? Not. Because anybody with the brain is going to like, look, dude, you just signed a a front-loaded deal. I just think it becomes a slippery path when you have three years left. You have one year left. That's different. That's different. If there's a massive drop off in pay, that's different. He was still going to make 10 and change plus a signing plus a bonus of like $2 million. Fox sports radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Let's welcome in DeMarco Murray, who I remember I was, I was, uh, I, I worked in Oklahoma city sports radio for a year before starting to work up at the other play at ESPN for nine years. And so I would follow, I remember when I first started at ESPN, they were like, can you talk other sports other than basketball? I was like, yeah, football, spring football, and recruiting. I did, you know, worked in Oklahoma city and you know, they, they, for a while they're running back you running back you. 
after Adrian Peterson was this guy, DeMarco Murray. Remember, uh, three-time pro, pro Bowler, Offensive Player of the Year in the National Football League in 2014. Recently announced his retirement. He joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Any second thoughts? Like, when you announce it, that's kind of finality. You look Now training camp has started. Any second thoughts about coming back and playing football? Um, after you bringing up memories of my college days, I'm starting to think about it. My glory days, those were. Um, <laughs> but, no, you know, just looking at the videos and pictures of – teams reporting to training camp it definitely you know makes you makes you think and, and reminisce about the the hard blood sweat and tears that you're shedding with your teammates trying to obviously defend and get the ultimate goal which is the Super Bowl but I'm excited I'm excited for the for my future um my plan days are over I'm happy I'm at peace with it and, and I'm enjoying my family and enjoying being on the media side of things and, and having fun with it Okay, so uh, take me back your first training camp. You show up with the, with the Cowboys, your third round pick. They had they had what Felix Jones, and they had Tashard Choice. You're like third string on the depth chart. What do you remember about your your first your first? I know you'd done you know you're down there with with the team beforehand, but your first day of training camp with the Dallas Cowboys. What do you remember? How nervous I was. These guys were huge in pass. I mean, looking at Jason Witten, Tyron Smith was a rookie, as was I, but. I actually was hurt. I had a hamstring, which I'm not gonna lie, I was a little excited because I don't, know, I don't know if mentally I was, I was able and ready to compete against these grown men. And we had, we actually had a lockout that year, so we didn't have any OTAs. We didn't have any rookie minicamp. So as we reported as rookies, it was training camp, full pads, meetings, and we hit the, we hit the ground running. And we didn't know the offense. We didn't know anything. We just said. Oh my goodness! We got to get the playbook. We have to practice hard, and we're, it was in San Antonio. And luckily, I missed or I, I missed two of the first weeks of training camp. Came back in the third preseason game, and it was Tashar Choice, Felix Jones were ahead of me. And by the season opener, um, we lost to the Jets. And then by game three, I was able to take advantage of an opportunity that was given to me because Felix Jones went down with an injury and they put me in and, and ran. I still remember the play. It was a 42 ISO play to the right, up the middle, and I never looked back since. 40, 42 ISO. Is that what they ran against the, was the Rams? Didn't you the Rams, yeah. We ran 42 ISO, perfect, perfectly blocked, and then I was able to use a little juice, some speed that I had back then that I, I might not have anymore, but it was, I was still rolling at the time. Yeah, you had you had an interesting running style. People forget that you you played basketball. You're a good basketball player at Bishop Gorman in Vegas, and you're also a, a track star. But you're you're kind of a uh, like a one cut guy. Like you had great end to end speed, and you had a great kind of one cut potential. Why in 14 did it work out so well for you? In 2014, you had an unbelievable year. What, what in your mind was it that came together? I mean, the offensive line obviously was really, really good, but what was it that allowed you to have that dream season? Yeah, 2014 was a great year. Individually and collectively, it was our last playoff win by the Cowboys, but we were all on the same page. You know, we were all mature. We were old enough. We knew what it took in order to turn things around and try to make a run for the Super Bowl. So, Running game was key for us. Obviously, we, we added Zach Martin. We had Travis Frederick, Tyron Smith, Ron Leary, Doug Free. And these guys worked so hard. They were the anchor for the team. They played well. We protected the ball. Defense played well throughout throughout the course of the season. Special teams played all three phases for the team. It was just amazing. And offensively, I mean, we were, we were just rolling. We were just rolling. We, obviously, Des was having a great year. And 
Witten was having a great year. It was just a great cumulative effort by, by all three phases of the, of the Cowboys at that year. What do you think happens with Dez? I'm hoping he gets on the team. I know for him it's frustrating knowing him and knowing what he's going through and having having spoke with him. He's just waiting for the right opportunity. And I'm thinking, for me, I think the Titans will be a great fit only because it's a similar offense to Dallas. You have a great tight end in Delaney. You have a running game similar to what we had in Dallas when he was at his best years, his peak years, and really good offensive line. If they could maybe snag him, they have Rashard Matthews there and Corey Davis, if they can snag him and – let him know, hey, you, you're not going to be the number one receiver. You're not going to be the priority. But if you come in here and you work hard, we'll get you balls. We'll get you, you know, a year just to help our football team and help us win games. But I'm hoping he signs here soon. But but that is that is hard. It listen, it's hard. Like take your situation in Tennessee, right? I mean, they draft Derrick Henry to ultimately be the guy. So you have to. So you're you're a guy that you get to a point to which you're used to getting. You know. 20, 25, 30 carries, there's a volume of it to which you don't have to try and hit home runs. You just hit singles, doubles, and eventually, you know, you pop one in a home run, and that's how you get, you know, the big yards per carry. Now you cut that in half, and then, as you know, and I don't think enough people understand, if you're the third string running back, oftentimes, you got to play special teams, and, you know, if you're late in your career, you ain't playing special teams, so it's really hard for a vet to be a second. Now, if you're a, if you're a, as a wide receiver, and you've always been the number one wide receiver, isn't it similar to where it's hard to kind of devolve? It's hard to take a a tertiary role or secondary role even after you've been that number one guy? Well, yeah, you mentioned it. As a running back, you're, you're second and third depth chart-wise running backs. You're usually playing special teams. So that's why you see a lot of younger guys because veterans, we don't want to play special teams. We're not going to go in and line up and run on kickoff and punt return. We're just not going to do that. As opposed to the receiving core, you have – your first and your second string guys who won't play at all. And then the third team, he'll, he'll, he'll mix it in there every now and then. Speaking of Des Bryant, Des isn't going to run down there on kickoff. He's not going to play punt return. He's not going to do those situations because he's a Pro Bowl player. And quite, quite frankly, he doesn't need to. I mean, he still can play this game. I know there's some issues on separation. He just needs to get into the right system, get himself healthy. I know he had a, a back, he had a, a knee and an ankle the last couple of years, but he needs to get himself healthy and find the right situation, and, and hopefully that, that takes place here soon. Yeah, it might be smart actually to wait. You know, wait, somebody goes down, and that then ends up, then you end up having somebody who wants you as opposed to going somewhere where you know you have to kind of make the team and earn your way. You go, you you know, you st- still stay in shape, still stay ready. Somebody loses one of their top two wide receivers, and they kind of come begging. You get a better role with a better team and a better quarterback than you could otherwise. Is that is that a possibility for him? That is. I mean, this is his ninth year. He's heading into his ninth year. He's had some injury capabilities that that you know he he hasn't played well the past couple years because he's been injured. So for a guy like him who's been banked up, if he can miss some sort of training camp, maybe a the first quarter or half of it, and then get into the second or third week of training camp, getting accustomed to the offense, letting them put a package together for him starting off so he's not just thrown into the fire. Let him get comfortable, and by week four or five, hit the ground rolling. Um, all right, so look, you play with Romo, and everybody I know plays with Romo, thinks he was the real deal, and that it was the defense and some untimely injuries that ultimately kept him from getting as far as the Cowboys wanted to get. So you know what a big-time quarterback looks like. Does Mariota have it? I mean, they, they they blamed everything on the offense last year. Does Mariota have it? Yeah, speaking of Romo, Romo's fantastic. He was a guy that I was able to watch my first four years and learn so much from. Looking at Mariota, spending the last two years there, and I have a five-year-old daughter, 
when she gets older, I would love for her to marry a guy like Marcus, the greatest, nicest guy that you can ever meet. Saying that, he has the ability to do better footwork, timing, execution. And I think going into his third year last year, he was he was dealing with an ankle injury, so some of those things got got misplaced because he was rehabbing. He wasn't quite healthy. But this is his fourth year. He has to turn the page, and this has to be a big year. He has to be more vocal. If he can be more vocal because that team is so young, new offense, and when you have a new offense, there's going to be questions from the receivers, from the tight ends, and if you can communicate that on a daily basis in the 707 rooms, instead of letting the coaches run it, Marcus needs to take control, take the the, the tape and say, hey guys, this is how we're going to do it. I need you guys at 12 yards instead of 10. Let's be on the same page. Let's just communicate. If he can become a better communicator and more vocal, I think he's going to be a terrific quarterback. He'll be one of the top quarterbacks in his league to come. Yeah, it's hard to do, though, teach a guy to be vocal when he hasn't been vocal his first three years. DeMarco, great stuff. I'm happy that you're happy that you found happiness in your career. Take a bow. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you as the season rolls on. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, guys. All right, that's DeMarco Murray joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals, Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.